Welcome to She Decided to Run Her Way podcast, created for aspiring female runners who are tired of running in circles with the perfectionist and critical chatter swirling around in their heads, whispering, you're not a real runner. You're too slow. You're not thin and fast like that girl. Well, it's time to shut that chatter out, quit chasing someone else's pace, and start running perfectly imperfect as you. My name is Pamela Otero. I'm a certified running coach and personal trainer, and each week I'll be sharing practical running strategies and mindset shifts to help you let go of the pressure to perform, discover ways to run more, struggle less, and make it easy, while embracing your running pace and learning how to run your way. If you're a female runner or one in the making, then grab your running shoes, lace up, and listen in. Well, hello, hello. Thanks so much for joining me today. This is my first official episode, episode one of the podcast, and I'm really super happy that you're here. And today I wanted to talk with you about three interesting things that happened to me um, when I pushed through the pain with my running, literally pushed through the pain and why I did that way back way back when, we'll talk about that in a bit, um, how you know running that way for many years led me to find a new way to run that worked for me, and really why I created this podcast and why I chose the name that I did. Um, I really feel that it's important for you to know this, you know, know about this one defining moment, this one running experience that I had years ago when I was 29. I'll tell you about it in just a bit. That was really responsible for um, getting me here to talking with you today. You know, it's been many, many, many years, but this one particular moment when I was 29 really was the defining moment and was really the time in which um, I made a decision. I made a really big decision. So, you know, I want to chat with you about that that particular story in a bit, but I also wanted to just kind of ask you, you know, as you've gotten older, do you find yourself you know, just being really curious about people and being curious about their behaviors and their patterns, um, even yourself, just being curious about the things that you do and why you do them. Um, you know, growing up, I've always been that kid who raised her hand in class all the time, was always asking, but why? Um, or wanted to know how, you know, something happened. I was wanting to know a reason for everything. I was that kid. Um, I drove my parents crazy because I challenged them on so many things. But um, I will tell you, then I got to college and uh, I took a college calculus class. And, you know, heck at that point, I'm like, I don't need to know why I don't need to know how the function came about. I don't need to know the formula. I just need to get through this darn class because math specifically calculus was so hard for me. And my brain just kind of couldn't comprehend, um, 
all those formulas and functions, but um, I had no patience and I had no desire at that point later in life to ask the question why. I just wanted to get through it. And I will have, you know, I will have you know that I pulled off an A. I have no idea how, um, I just pulled it off. So I followed the, the formula, I plugged in the numbers and there you have it. I got an A in calculus in college, but I don't remember a darn thing. <laughs> But I do find it interesting, um, and I don't know if you do as you get older, as you you know become more observant um, and looking around. You know, society is so caught up, and you know, so many people are so caught up with performance measures, specifically with running. And you know, don't get me wrong; I am all for smartwatches. I do track certain things on my watch, but I'm speaking more about performance and measuring up and feeling worthy. I feel like we're a society that's just caught up in this performance. We do this with our kids at an early age in school. We do this in our careers, in having performance reviews. And, you know, there's just, we're just kind of caught up in this whole image and what people think of us and making choices or doing things so that we look good. So it makes us feel better about ourselves. And then, you know, we judge ourselves a lot, or we constantly criticize ourselves if we're not doing enough, if we're not measuring up. And um, you may have these conversations in your head silently, you know, just you know, constantly kind of criticizing things that you did or you didn't do. And I really feel that unfortunately we're, we're, we, I say we're, but it's really like society is addicted to this way of being. And I bring that up specifically because when it comes to running, that's how I was raised. Performance, pace, um, all of that, how much you weighed, all of that was a pretty big deal in my upbringing, unfortunately. And um, I wanted to share that with you today because it leads into this podcast and how it came to be and why I named it what I did. And so I, I really want to start with just letting you know that you know I was raised in a family of two girls and my mom. Um, my dad was a hardcore marathon runner. And he was all about commitment, hard work, discipline in his training, and in a lot of what he did. And, you know, the word discipline came up a lot. And, you know, working hard came up a lot. And my dad was the type that it didn't matter what the weather was outside. You know, he was going to get his run in. He was very disciplined. He would get up at 5 a.m. in the dark, whether it's snowing or not, and he would get outside and he would go do his run because that's just what you do. That's what runners do. And so I learned a lot of really good things from him. Um, I learned a lot about commitment and discipline, but I also unfortunately learned that this hard push through the pain mentality, um, this thinking and this way of training really screwed me up for many years with my running because that's what it was. It was pushed through the pain. It was hard. It was struggle. It was unpleasant. And now don't get me wrong. I, I love my dad. I have a great relationship with him now, but, um, and I've learned a lot from him. I realize 
Um, that's just, you know, that's just what he knew. That's what he did. And this no pain, no gain, suck it up kind of attitude was just his way. And, um, he would always say, you know, if you're gonna, if, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. So there's no wavering, there's no changing course. <laughs> it's you, you make a commitment, you follow through regardless. And so those aren't necessarily bad lessons, um, but, um, or bad qualities to have. But I do believe as I've gotten older that we need to make room for flexibility. We, you know, need to extend ourselves some grace. And, um, I just learned that this no pain, no gain, hard discipline way with running didn't work for me. And, you know, as I mentioned in my podcast trailer, I was a sprinter growing up. I I was not a distance runner. That was my older sister. She was more of the distance runner. I was the sprinter and my younger sister was kind of a mix, but running far was very hard for me. And so, you know, I got into distance running primarily as a way to connect with my dad, but also it was a way for me to keep my weight in control and to not worry about being heavy because there was a lot of emphasis in my family on weight, on thinness, um, and making sure that you were disciplined and you took care of yourself and you were thin and strong and you worked hard. And so to some degree, those are some good qualities, but at the extreme, um, I don't think they're, they're the best qualities to have when, when you're doing that at the extreme. So, you know, growing up, um, I, I didn't get along well with my dad often. I was the, the middle child and I always was outspoken. I spoke my mind. I challenged him a lot and that, (laughs) that tended to cause a lot of problems. So him and my dad and I butted heads a lot, but I really wanted to have a closer relationship with him and, The only way I thought I could do that was by doing something that he loved and doing something that he did. And so I got into distance running because I wanted to have a closer relationship and I wanted him to be proud of me. And I wanted us to be able to connect with, you know, something similar um, together. So I basically sucked it up. Um, You know, if I was going to have this relationship with my dad, I was going to need to do it on his terms. Um, So I sucked it up. I started running longer miles and he helped coach me and I pushed through the pain a lot. Um, you know, a lot of times I would go out for a run and, and later my dad would ask me, you know, how long did it take you to run five miles? You know, what was your pace? And I often lied to him because my response would generally, um, elicit some criticism. And so it was, you got to get faster. And if I mentioned that I took a walk break, you know, you're not a walker, Pamela, you're a runner. So those were always the questions and comments that I tended to get. And, um, don't get me wrong. I, my dad's a great guy, but that was just his way. He was hardcore. He was old school. And that's just what you did if you were going to be a runner. So my training consisted of running, only running. (laughs) I rarely stretched. I didn't cross train. I didn't have a fueling strategy. I didn't even know what a fueling strategy was. I just ran and I hated it. I ran and I hated it, but I kept going until 
um, until this, this situation happened when I was 29 and I'm going to share this story with you. So when I was 29, um, it was in 2003, I was going to be turning 30 in April of that year. And I set a goal that I wanted to run my first marathon when I turned 30. So you know, hey, that's what we did growing up running <laughs> was a huge part of our life. So I set out to train for the Big Sur International Marathon out in California. For those of you that are familiar, it's near Carmel Valley and Monterey. It's absolutely beautiful. And so I signed up for this race and I'm one of those people that likes to sign up for things because it holds me to, you know, my training. So I signed up and, and paid for the whole trip and everything. And my birthday was in April. The race was, was in April. And so I had been training, um, building up to this. And so during my training, I was struggling with an injury, um, an overuse injury, um, specifically with my piriformis muscle. And so if you're not familiar with your piriformis muscle, it's basically this deep, deep muscle below your glutes um, that kind of lays at an angle and it lays over your sciatic nerve and it helps to stabilize your SI joints. It helps to rotate your femur, your thigh bone um, at the hip. So that's really critical with your running and your running gait. And when your piriformis muscle gets inflamed, it puts pressure on um, your sciatic nerve. And that creates a lot of intense pain um, that radiates down the entire back of your, your leg, your hamstring, from your glute all the way down your hamstring behind your knee. So when your piriformis muscle is inflamed and it's not functioning in a healthy way, it directly impacts your running, your running form. And it's very, very um, uncomfortable. It's basically, it's excruciating if you've ever dealt with it. Um, but I was dealing with this injury. I was trying to run. I was in pain. I was miserable. And I didn't want to tell my dad that, um, because I didn't want him to, you know, get on me. So as part of my training schedule, we had already planned to run a 15 mile out and back route specifically on Good Friday. And so where I live here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, there is a little town outside of Albuquerque um, called Tome. And there's specifically Tome Hill, which um, a lot of people um, on Good Friday make a pilgrimage there. So we had planned to do a seven and a half mile out to Tome Hill and then seven and a half miles back. So my dad, myself, and one of his friends, we set out on Good Friday to do this. And we parked, you know, seven and a half miles from um, Tome Hill and we ran. And so they went ahead because they were faster than me. <laughs> um, and I struggled. I struggled, but I made it out to Tome Hill. We climbed to the top. We said our prayers and then we headed back down the hill and headed back our seven and a half miles back to where we had parked. So my dad and his friend had already finished um, because they were faster than me. And so I had about two miles to go and I was a complete mess. I was running. I was limping. I was in so much pain. Um, I was crying. I was really, really upset. I mean, honestly, I was pissed off <laughs> because I wanted this run to be over. And I was asking myself, why am I doing this to myself? So I still have two miles to go. And my dad um, is coming down the road in the car because he had already finished. And um, he, he drove next to me and he asked me if I wanted to get in. And 
I looked over at him, obviously crying and upset. And I said, no. And I, I did want to get in the car, but um, I didn't want to deal with my dad not being proud of me or my dad possibly bringing it up at a later date that I didn't complete my 15 mile route. So I stubbornly said, no, I don't want to get in the car. And I continued finishing up my two miles because I was strong, because I knew how to push through the pain. I knew how to, you know, um, be hardcore. And so, um, I also wanted to keep my word and I didn't want to disappoint him. So I kept my word that I was going to do that 15 miles. And so I did, but during those final two miles of, um, that 15 mile run, I had many, many conversations with myself in my head. And I really made the decision during that um, final two miles that um, I had enough of running this way. I didn't enjoy it. I was in pain. And how in the heck was I going to run a full marathon, 26.2 miles, if I couldn't even run 15 without hobbling along in pain? And so I decided that when I got back to the car, I would tell my dad the truth. And I would tell him that I hated running, that my injury was excruciating and it was bad, um, that I was running for the wrong reasons. And that I wasn't going to keep my word and complete the Big Sur International Marathon like I said I would. And um, if he didn't like that, that was just too darn bad. (laughs) So when I got back to the car, I got inside and I sat down and I just cried. I cried because I wanted to just be honest and... um, You know, my dad, of course, is sitting there wondering what in the heck is going on. And I told him all of my thoughts um, that I had during my last two miles. And I told him that I hated running this way. And you know what? Um, He felt bad. He didn't know I was feeling any of that. And he didn't want me to be in pain. And um, I, I didn't need to go through all that, he said, to make him proud because he already was. And so, you know, in that moment, as I share this story with you, it still brings up emotion because I can vividly and clearly remember that day and that conversation. And from that day forward, I made the decision to find a better way to run that worked for me. And um, I have, I did, and 19 years later, I can tell you that I absolutely enjoy my runs. Now, of course, if I'm doing speed work or hill work, sometimes I don't enjoy it in the moment, (laughs) I'll be honest, but afterwards I love the way that I feel and I love the strength um, that I get from it. But um, I've found a way to run that works for me. And... um, You know, the other thing that I want you to know is that was, I think, pretty cool is me, my dad and my mom, we we still went to Big Sur, um, to the Big Sur International Marathon. We had already paid for the trip. And so we went and we went to the pasta party and we went to the starting line and we cheered on all the other runners who showed up and completed their marathon that day. And if you, um, you know, have ever 
been at a race as a spectator, it's really inspiring. It's really uplifting. And so I was glad that I followed through and I still went. Um, Partly it was already paid for, but it was really encouraging. And I always find it so encouraging to be a spectator or be a volunteer or, you know, really support those people that are running their races. And so we did that. Um, and it was, it was a great, um, great weekend, but, um, while I was there, I later found out that the Big Sur International Marathon at the time, this was back in 2003, um, it was the third hardest marathon in the world, not just in the United States, but in the entire world. And so maybe um, me getting injured was a good thing. <laughs> maybe I lucked out with that one. But um you know, I really want to wrap things up um, and I want to bring it back to what I originally said to you, um, said that I would share with you um, at the beginning of this episode. And I wanted to share with you the three interesting things that happened to me when I pushed through the pain with my running, as I shared with you. And these are the three things. One, I got injured. Two, I got honest. And three, I finally made the decision to run my way. And so I want to encourage you and I want to leave you with this. Please don't run injured. Be honest and make decisions with your running that serve and honor you. And so that is why I created the She Decided to Run Your Way, She Decided to Run Her Way podcast is because I want you, I want to encourage you, I want to support you, I want to lift you up, and I want you to run your way, not anybody else's way, not trying to measure up to what you think you should be doing. I want you to find a way to run that you enjoy and that works for you. And that's what my hope and my plan is with these future episodes is to encourage, to inspire, to coach, to help you to find whatever way that is for you so that you can get out, you can enjoy your runs, and you can have a great relationship and a great experience with your running and fitness. So... Until next week, my friend, grab your running shoes, lace up, and go enjoy the outdoors.